1: United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. Yeah, a bonus kind of pod for you lucky listeners. We were not going to record until after Sunday's cup final, but we were so elated after beating Barcelona last night, we decided to do a quick one on that and previewing the cup final. Uh, so we're recording this the kind of afternoon after that game over there. But yeah, look, Imran, big win. Uh, Eric Ten Hag says this is his biggest win
0: so far. Would you agree with that? I think you'd have to agree with that. The The manner of the win, the atmosphere at Old Trafford, uh, the calibre of opposition. Uh, yes, we've beaten Liverpool at home. We've beaten City at home as well, and they were big. But this did feel a little bit bigger. Um, the only thing that could have made it bigger was it being in the Champions League. But even that, I don't think has a massive impact on how great it felt um obviously you could tell with the players at the end of the game uh fans just staying in the ground which isn't i mean for all old trafford's uh, plus points people hanging around after the final whistle isn't one of them i would say but a lot of people were hanging around clapping the players off chanting so i mean it just felt like a really great moment for the club uh for ten hag so yeah you'd go along with it a huge win huge win yeah definitely just for what it represents and
1: of course they're currently top of la liga and by quite a few points uh you know on top form uh you know when we had this draw i think at the time a lot of us were kind of like oh well you know we're gonna we're gonna go out to barcelona it's not that bad but yeah look we go through and uh yeah we already see now that we've drawn real betis for the next round which should on paper actually be an easier game but yeah you never know how it works out by that time uh i mean the game didn't all go completely to plan uh, And, you know, since last time we recorded, we did also play Leicester. And I'd say both times we had Mm. pretty poor first halves and kind of managed to turn it around in the second half. Uh, I think a lot of credit, of course, goes to Eric Ten Hag both times for kind of making the required changes, seeing what the problems were and changing it up. I mean... We will then, we will do a big preview on this show then off the cup final. And then, yeah, I'll have a talk about who you think should be starting that. But then straight away, you know, the question mark comes for me. Uh, you know, it's Root Weghorst that comes out at half time. There has been a lot of discussion about him, whether he's up to quality, what is his best position? Because he's played kind of a bit of number 10, a bit of number nine. But, you know, it was a completely different performance when he's come out of the team at half time in the second half. I mean, there's been a lot of things moved around as well. Sancho sometimes playing wide, sometimes playing number 10 i mean he's trying all sorts of things at the moment and i don't know what you feel is kind of our best lineup maybe we'll leave that for when we get onto the cup final preview but on this game like i say you know that first half do you put it down to kind of tactics and formation or barcelona doing well
0: uh i thought barcelona did well they came out quite strong they were controlling the game i thought our control in midfield was wasn't great um casemiro didn't look like, I mean, he played a really great pass to Bruno to be fair, but it uh, wasn't quite as quick and him and Fred, not like in the second half, they, they just both upped their level tremendously. Um, and then Sancho in front of them, I just didn't, I thought he was quite a poor number 10. I could see the idea, like quick feet in the middle, getting the ball again, out again, releasing it, but I just thought he was a poor number 10, didn't really offer, offer us anything in there. And we kind of lost control in the middle a lot um, and it just helped Barcelona come on to us. We were also quite slow and plodding in our play. Again, you know, maybe it's, sign of games catching up to us um players feeling a bit stiff getting into games and then by the second half they're fully into it and that's when we we turn it on a bit but yeah it was just a bit slow start, very similar to the leicester game really a slow start yeah um i've actually thought leicester were probably the the, the that's the most we've been outplayed in a, a half of football all season i think that leicester first half they should have been two up quite easily we had
1: a pretty um, poor half against leeds the kind of week before as well and then again kind of pulled it out in the second half Yeah.
0: Uh, I would say that was less than one was worse. We were um, just maybe, maybe it's because you were, I was in the stands for it, but it was just, it just felt like we are, they are going to score at any point now. And then actually we went and scored and that was quite a turnaround. But, but yeah, it wasn't, it, I, I put it down to, um, I'd say, yeah, poor, poor, just poor start, poor energy, poor levels. And then it takes half time to make me raise that gear. And I thought Barcelona actually did quite well in the first half. So it's probably just a, a mixture of Factors. We've also, we also had Wout at, number nine which actually he's been better at number 10 i would have said lately um i'm i know a lot of people are very down on big wow but i actually i don't mind the guy he's putting in putting a shift trying his hardest yes he's not the required quality but he's a two million loan he's doing a huge job um for us and actually occupying space and i thought that i thought actually against leicester he did had a, a very good game at number 10 and it felt odd to move him back up to to nine and it didn't really work
1: yeah well that is the interesting thing kind of you know i didn't really expect him to move him back to nine plus it is also you know seems a bit counterintuitive to play bruno on the right and to play sancho kind of more central whereas you know naturally you would think it should be the other way round. but uh you know bruno's been playing on the right for us a lot this season. I mean we do now get Anthony back from injury and I don't know whether that will change up his kind of mind. But there was a complete change. I mean look obviously we have to talk about that penalty which is what made us go behind. I mean I think it was idiotic play from Bruno. There was no need for him to be putting his arms on the player. Um, You know it's a bit soft but the player's going away from goal and I just thought it was kind of a bit naive of him to give that and I think it is a penalty. Uh, i mean i don't know what you think
0: about that i thought it wasn't a penalty at all i thought it was incredibly soft people touch each other. all that football's not a non-contact sport you can touch people if that was a penalty then literally every single corner you would someone would get a penalty because all you do is every time anyone touches someone someone would go down it'd be a penalty yeah he puts his hand in his hand but it's not it's not there's no real pulling motion It's not really with any great force I think there is, for me, there is, a, there is a pull there. You can kind
1: of see his arms go around. It's kind of more like shoulders, upper body, and there is a pull. I mean, it is totally different at a corner. I get what you say. There's constant contact, but in a corner, you're kind of standing toe-to-toe with somebody. There's constant like jostling, uh, whereas here, you know, people are more running around. Bruno's coming in full pen from behind him. I think if the player had been facing towards goal, and a player's come I don't think there'd even be that much argument over it. But because he's mm-hmm. kind of coming away from goal, and I just think, like I say, it is soft. It is soft. It's hardly like you know the, a red card offence or anything. But I, I do think it is a penalty, and it's just very naive of Bruno to have ended up in that position.
0: I don't think you get it in the Premier League, as I
1: would mm-hmm. say. Very unlikely, League.
0: Actually, think- to be fair, in the VAR, <laughs> who knows? Toss a coin. Yeah, uh, anything could happen.
1: Yeah, things have changed a lot in the VAR era. A lot of things are given that would never have been given kind of 10 years ago. Uh, but anyway, look, it was a penalty, a real killer to go behind. But yeah, we went behind in the new Camp, came back. And yet again, we do. I mean, that is the really great thing that this team does keep going. They don't kind mm. of shirk when they, they go one down. That had been a big problem for us last season. Uh, yeah. Although, yeah, we do know that under Ole, we had comebacks again and again and again but yeah it has a
0: different kind of feel for it now um, oh yeah now when we go to go down there's no panic no stress you think well oh, okay go down but we can def- definitely come back into it yeah absolutely and,
1: yeah. Um, and like i say yeah ten hogs working that half time magic um whatever he does yeah again making a kind of shift against Leicester it was Sancho on for Garnaccio this time Anthony comes in for Veghorst and he shuffles it around completely and there has been a lot of players moving around recently you know Rashford from the left to up front to the right Bruno number 10 on the right Sancho's kind of played all across that three Veghorst nine or ten uh In a way, it's great to have that kind of flexibility and that fluidity of players being able to play different positions. But at some point, surely we need to get a fixed kind of this is our best team, this is our best system so that players can get used to it. Do we? We never had that under Fergie. Yeah, maybe not, maybe not. I you know, I do think when you should start getting to like the business end of the season and yeah, as I said we will talk more about the cup final where you obviously want to put out your best team. Um, but yeah, maybe not. Like I say, maybe it depends who you're playing and that's what Ten Hag's coming with. He's looking about matchups between players, he's looking about things like that and yeah, he's changing it from game to game. Uh... I I've,
0: I've always I've always maintained that no team should have a, a strongest 11 and you should have players you can play in different scenarios. Um, depending on what the the game is, what the what the what the the final is. Obviously, you have players who will play regardless, but I mean, you've got to have options that can come in, and you think, yeah, he can start a cup final, and then that's that, that's no problem. And I think we're we're getting closer towards that um, in some positions. Um, I am also thinking that, I mean, if you if, you're, if you think you're a defender, so you're a Barcelona defender in that first half, you've defended basically against what Wakehall. Our approach in the first half was to kind of pass it up to them, basically, like. Not, we weren't really trying to break lines or play over the top. We did, obviously, to Bruno, got him behind. That's how the one time we got in. But it was very much in front of the Barcelona defenders in that first half. Then second half, you suddenly put on a bunch of speed merchants and change up the entire way they have to defend the game. It's going to be hard for an opposition to do that. And we do that a lot. We did it against Leicester as well. The, the, the way Leicester were defending in the first half is completely different to how they had to defend in the second half because we were just all over them in a completely different way. And that's because we're bringing off different tools off the bench to, to do that. So, I mean, if, as, long as, we keep, as long as we can keep... Yeah, obviously, it would be better if we were just winning games two nil in the first half and it was done but you know there's, there's different ways to win a game
1: no yeah absolutely as i say the big benefit is ten hog is making these changes at half time and it is making a difference i mean here literally it was like two minutes we were already like back equal uh you know there was a couple of kind of half chances we had in the first half in fact not even a half chance bruno should have done a lot better than he did with the chance he had but I don't know, Fred uh, is not always the most obvious place where our goals are going to come from. But yeah,
0: he's brought us back in this game and comes out with a man-of-the-match performance for me. Oh, amazing. Amazing second half from Fred. That is the best version of Fred you can possibly want. Um, Good on the ball, good in the tackle, competitive all over the pitch. Um, And the first touch for his goal is tremendous. A tremendous first touch. He doesn't score the goal without the first touch being as perfect as it is. And Bruno absolutely fires it across. And he just takes it in his stride on his weaker foot. Great. I mean, yeah, the the element of in the finish, but hey, went in and that's the main thing. Uh, Five goals for the season now for Fred, which is not a bad return.
1: It's not. And he scored a few kind of towards the end of last season as well. So it definitely has been benefiting from playing a slightly different role than maybe he had done under Ole. Uh, More kind of freedom to move forward. And yeah, of course, when he's covered by Casemiro, it does make a big difference. I mean, we will now, of course, Casemiro is back. That Leicester game in the middle was his last one. And I do think that had been part of our issues in some of those games against Leeds, against Leicester. Him, of course, missing was a massive miss. Uh, You know, Sabitz has done a kind of good, decent enough job coming in but yeah he's a long way away from the level of casemiro and it will be interesting now going forward about where the Sabitzer plays fred plays who gets that kind of spot and uh we'll see yeah how we go from there but yeah ten Hag described fred as a mosquito because he said he'd given him a specific kind of role of mirroring uh frankie de jong uh, so he was kind of following him along around the pitch but then also yeah getting up and getting a goal himself so yeah massive for him massive for him um and then yeah our second goal comes after two other changes as well so it's again him making those kind of tactical changes at the right time. Uh Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Sancho go out for Dallo and Garnacho and yeah from after that we get the second and absolutely vital goal that gives us this tie basically. Uh I mean yeah well, how did you see that second goal coming through?
0: Yeah it was really good it was a good move actually um Martinez pedal on ball to Shaw who was getting uh, forward a lot more in second half finding that space on the left hand side. Um and then it was quite actually like, yeah, ganache probably should have done a lot better with his first shot, actually. And then obviously Fred shoots and just bounce to It's a really good finish. I mean, Anthony's had uh some criticisms of his time here, and it's it's fair at times. Um probably want to see a lot more from him, but one thing you can't actually doubt is he's got a pretty decent strike on that left foot of his. Um and that was a really good finish on it. Uh not really a half volley, but on some sort of volley. Into the bottom corner. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's what you want to do. Go off the bench and impact the game. And I th- it's often now, pretty much, every time, not every time, but most times Ten Hag makes us so, up. They impact the game in some way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in-game management and stuff was always one of my major issues with the kind of Ole times, whereas, you know, Ten Hag, it's like chalk and cheese. Uh, You know, it's also been an issue when we've been watching England under Southgate and you see a manager who's making those changes at the right time, the right players. And I would say, actually, even on this podcast, we did a few times say that maybe Ten Hag could have changed up things earlier, maybe this change and that change. But recently, he's been getting his changes absolutely bang on and yeah you know
0: making that difference again and again and again the the only slight issue we currently have is that a lot of our players seem to do better coming off the bench uh ganacho and sancho to i can think of who look a lot better when they come off the bench than when they do when they start games so yeah, yeah, that is fair.
1: Definitely Garnaccio. Uh, you know, Sancho, again, has come in more recently. And yeah, all right, he came off the bench against Leicester and made a big difference. But no, it, it is great to see. Uh, but yeah, Garnacho, I think he is yet to have a good game from starting. Whereas maybe he Sancho... Did in the,
0: one of the Cups. When it was a Cup game. He had a decent game from the off and he was causing a lot of trouble. I can't remember which cup game. We have, to, we have too many games for me to actually remember what happened in specific oh, yeah, games. Oh, it's all
1: an absolute blur. <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, they keep coming thick and fast. And as I say, yeah, we're only going to have a obviously fast turnaround to this cup final on uh, Sunday. Uh, we will take a quick break there before we come back, talk more about the Barcelona game. And then, yeah, look ahead to Wembley on Sunday.
0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: So back for part two of this bonus podcast, as I say for you, all you lucky listeners. Um, I mean, the XG on this Barcelona game shows that We were possibly a little bit lucky, although, you know, it does get skewed in their favour because they had a penalty, which is a kind of high XG chance. But yeah, it's at 1.3 for us and 1.5 for them. But although, yeah, you'd say that's kind of even-ish. But over the two legs, I think we were well worth this win, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think we were... I think the first game was, I, I personally think we should have, we could have won, but then I think if a Barcelona fan turned around and said, actually, we could have won, I would say, fair enough, that's how you see it, that's how I see it. I don't think it. But we did really well, considering we went to their ground. But I think the margin of quality in the second half of this game was the big telling difference between the teams. I think it was fairly even up until this second half, even in the first half, which Barcelona kind of controlled, they only really had one shot on target. Um, but this second half, we absolutely dominated them, uh, created pretty much all of the chances bar one, Dick. Very good De Gea save. Um, Yeah, I think over the two ties, you'd say... I mean, not not by loads, to be fair. I don't think... I think you can see Barcelona on a decent side. um, Well-managed, got some good players. But I think we just about edged it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it is only the odd goal in seven that's kind of made the difference. And yeah, I think that is actually fair. Uh, There was the, De Gea did make a couple of saves. There was also that late Varane kind of clearance off the line that, you know, that's the kind of match-winning stuff uh, players like that can pull out at the moment. Um, But yeah, it does really feel... Great, even though it is the Europa League you know, not I do see various fans, you know, get a few messages from Arsenal or Liverpool fans or whatever saying, Look, well, you're getting excited about the Europa League, you know, we used to laugh about this. But I think, yeah, the fact that it is Barcelona kind of transcends whether it's Europa, whether it's Champions League. And yeah, it does still give you that big feel. And plus we have to remember that over the years, even Fergie struggled in these kind of matches. It was only that two thousand and eight tie where we had kind of previously beaten Barcelona. Um, and yeah, I think apart from that, we've struggled uh, not just against Barcelona, against Spanish teams again and again and again in Europe.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's just a, one of our weird blind spots is Spanish teams. And um, last time we beat Barcelona was the Paul scores two thousand and eight goal. So. Nice to get a win over them. And now we can move on to Betis and hopefully get a win over them too.
1: Yeah, we have done the draw. It was just a couple of hours ago. So, yeah, we're off to Real Betis for the first time in our history. Uh, for people who don't know, they're the kind of second team in Seville. Um, we have we played them in December in a random friendly, you know, when we were at the World Cup. Oh, and we it did, went we? On, yeah, 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 that was we lost 1-0, but I can't even remember who was playing in that game in the middle of the World Cup and all. Um, but, yeah, we did have a bit of a scouting report from uh, David out in Canada. And, yeah, he was made Mentioning. They've got some decent players. William Carvalho, Nabil Fekir. yosi Perez has ended up over there. And uh, Joe is still going at 41 years of age, turning out every now and again for them. Uh, so, yeah, there's a few. And Manuel Pedalgrini is the manager as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of kind of old Premier League and historic links. The only thing I ever think of when I think of Real Betis is when they bought Danielson in that world record transfer back in oh, the 90s. Yeah. That's the only thing I ever remember them for. I mean, it was like back in like 1998. And it obviously completely ruined them as a club because they got relegated within two years of that and now this is the kind of first time they start showing their face again i mean they're fifth in the league at the moment so going all right i mean it won't be an easy time by any means but on paper i guess it should be mm. easier than barcelona
0: yeah and we're home first so you'd hope we can put it to bed in the first game and then maybe get a bit of rotation for the second but it's never obviously it's never that, never that straightforward um just also before we move on from the basket game, thought we'd touch on our two centre-backs who were tremendous. Again, uh, Martinis and Varane just... It is incredible how we have upgraded our centre-backs to these two who are, for my money, number one and number two centre-backs in the league. Uh, and with their wrong side, Luke, Luke Shaw, who's the best left-back in the league. I mean, it's an incre- incre- incredible turnaround in our defence. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and definitely. And I did actually get a question from a couple of other fans in, you know, random other WhatsApp groups They're saying, look, you know, what has been the big change? Uh, so look, there is a few things, because obviously we're chalk and cheese from where we were last year. But I do think sometimes people forget that the year before we did come second in the Premier League. So some of these players are decent and just had a total off-season, the likes of Rashford, the likes of Bruno. But centre-back going on the upgrade from Maguire and Lindelof to Varane and Martinez is obviously a huge upgrade. And then centre to midfield going from McFred to Casemiro and Ericsson even though you know Fred and all is still coming in and doing a good job when he needs to those are the kind of two main areas where it's been a huge huge upgrade and then yeah obviously all the rest of the credit goes to Eric Ten Hag Uh, and yeah getting rid of Ronaldo has freed up so you know now I think it's Mm. undoubted There'd always been discussions over it are his goals worth it I know we had that discussion on this podcast again and again you know is he the problem is he not but I think now there can't really be any argument about he was causing more negative impact on this team than positive, regardless of any goals he scored.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um huge turning point for the season, really, was Ronaldo Going. You can't say Rashford would have had this goal scoring run if Ronaldo was the man up top for a start. So yeah, no, it's good he's good we moved on from him. And it's the first time in ten years you can for say, say you, you wouldn't swap your you wouldn't swap our manager for anyone in the world. I don't think, and I don't think you could have said that for ten years. Well, I, I wouldn't um, have
1: swapped Ole for quite a while, but <laughs> oh
0: come on now! Hey, Maybe <laughs> time has you know, uh, pe- my pe- pe- nailed,
1: my colours were nailed to the Ole mask for quite a while. I'm, I'm if sure who said
0: Pep will take up from Ole for a bit, you probably say, all right then, go on, go on, give it give it Pep. Um, but no, I think now genuinely, Pep, Klopp, Ancelotti, great managers, but. Would you swap Ten Hag for anyone? No.
1: No, not right now. Not right now. Although, yeah, you know, anyone who's been a long time listening to this podcast, I can't rewrite history. I will say there was quite a long time I was happily defending Louis van Hal, They were also Ole, not so much Jose. He was never a favourite of mine. But, you uh, know, Ten Hag is definitely different level. I mean, especially just in like the short space of time he's had. You know, at the start mm. of this season, we all were kind of saying, listen, if he can get us back in top four, we start playing some decent football. We can then look ahead to like a couple of years after that. You know, we didn't expect to be
0: so far ahead no. already at this point no and the feel good factor as well like i don't think we expected to feel so good watching united see the players buy into it so rapidly um it's been a long time since we've, again it's been a long time since we've seen scenes like that on the old Trafford pitch after a game um yeah. you got Varane up the crowd like he does uh martinez absolutely loving life casemiro seems i mean these are casemiro varana players who have won literally every single thing in the game and they're playing Old Trafford like it's the best thing they've ever done. It's extraordinary, really.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, and look, obviously, yeah, it's probably then a good time for us to start switching, talking about Wembley on Sunday. Uh, you know, we're ahead of schedule getting into a cup final last cop we won was under Jose, the Europa League. We did also win this tournament in 2017. Uh, it was Southampton 3-2. Do you remember that one? Uh, two goals from I Zlatan. I, was, I and... was there. I was oh, there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I missed that one, actually. I didn't go to that. Uh, no, was so,
0: it, was right. a, it was the only time I've actually managed to get a ticket at Wembley and not been in the third tier. I was actually in the bottom tier for that one, so I had a decent seat for it. But um, yeah, no, it was a, that was a very good game. Uh, we were actually slightly lucky to win that one, I think. Um, yeah, it was a late winner. It was, it was a very two, late two. winner from Zlatan from a header that he either he fouled someone or he might have been offside or something like. That. There was some some a bit dodgy about it. I can't remember what. Um, and he scored a free kick that we had some questionable goalkeeping about it as well. But um, but yeah, that was I, I do remember. It was a, a a good 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 trophy win anyway.
1: Oh, yeah, and shout-out to Jesse Lingard, who also scored that day, and he also scored in the FA Cup final the year before. Oh, that was when he, that's when he only ever scored at Wembley, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, only scored yeah. in big matches. Uh, we have actually... Played at Wembley since then, uh, but lost. So that's why a lot of people might not remember it. I mean, I'm the sort who always kind of blocks these out. I was, unfortunately... The
0: Chelsea <laughs> FA Cup final.
1: Yeah, I was at that yeah, Chelsea yeah. Cup final the year after, 2018. We lost to Conte's Chelsea. And then we have also been back there for, I think, FA Cup semi-final under Ole that we also lost against, I want to say, Chelsea as well, I think. Um I think it might have been in the COVID year, but yeah, we are, we have been back there a couple of times since, but yeah. Now, first time we're back for this League Cup final, Newcastle are up. I mean, I don't know if you heard Ten Hag's comments today in press, I was just listening to him before, and he called Newcastle an annoying team. <laughs> um, they've conceded the least goals in the Premier League this season by quite yep. some way as well, I think conceded about 10 less than anybody else which is kind of crazy Uh, you know I'm sure anybody who's playing fantasy Premier league has got at least one Newcastle defender in there if not two Um, and he also came out he said if you look at they asked him why do you call them annoying and he said if you look at the stats of which matches the ball is in play Newcastle the lowest so he's basically talking about them you know time wasting killing games trying to stop other teams playing and yeah you, you know it's a thing that comes up about how long is the actual ball in play and they say mm-hmm. yeah games against newcastle it is the lowest uh i think I mean, we were nil nil with them earlier this season weren't
0: we yeah nil nil at Old Trafford, but we should have won uh, rashford missed that header right at the end and then fred missed an open goal as well um both of which probably would score that now if we had that game again um, but it was a very very annoying game, lots of time wasting, um, lots of. I mean, who knew that Eddie Howe would be the second coming of Diego Simeone? I don't think anyone really called that when he went there. Um, and Bournemouth were always famed for their they could attack but couldn't defend to save their lives, and now we've got Newcastle who just very. Boring and well, not bo- not necessarily boring to be fair, but they are very they, but they, they do a job, first. yeah, their defense their defense first. Their they do a point. job, and then when they get a goal, they protect that lead. Um, going a goal down to them would be, I mean, obviously, I'd back us to get back into the game, but it would be a, a slog if we went a goal down, uh, especially in that second half with the amount of time that would get wasted. Um, so that's important stay ahead. And they've got Bruno Gimenez back, and I know they've not been in the greatest form lately. They lost two 0 to Newcastle, and they drew the last. Uh, t- sorry, lost two 0 to Liverpool, and they drew the two before that. But that was timed with Bruno's suspension from that red card that he got. And yes, they were a couple, drawing a couple games before that, but they always looked a bit better. I actually did think they looked alright against Newcastle with ten men, um, but that could be because Liverpool are terrible. Um, so yeah, he's back. That's big for them. Obviously, the goalkeeper thing's huge. Uh, no nick pope when loris carris in net and it's either written that he's going to be pretty terrible or he's going to save the winning shootout in the penalty uh the winning penalty in the shootout which i can definitely see happening um so it's i mean that could go either way he's not played really for so long and so yeah it's interesting lots of interesting uh decisions yeah, no,
1: like you say the goalkeeper situation in particular you know pope <laughs> Just absolute brain fart against Liverpool. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, well, he wasn't thinking, which is what happened. Ends up getting a red card. And then the story of Dubravka now, their normal reserve goalie, is being cocktied because he played for us against Charlton Athletic in whatever. Was it the quarterfinal? I think uh, that um, is brilliant. So, yeah, Carrius, the old scouts reject, is got a chance at redemption. And like you say, yeah, it could well be that kind of story. But um, Newcastle, obviously, are having their best season for a long, long time. As you mentioned, their recent form has been bad. The only games they've won in the last six was their Carabao Cup semi-final against Southampton uh, before that one loss and three draws in the Premier League. I mean, we're obviously heavy, heavy favourites, but yeah, they do have danger players. You know, I don't know whether it'll be Wilson or Isaac up front. Uh, Maximum Almiron's having the season of his life so far. So yeah, and you say Bruno it's all a Bruno versus Bruno kind of matchup. This was built out earlier in the season, but I think since then we kind of moved on with a lot of other players getting the kind of limelight. Uh, but yeah, we have to be confident. We, like I say, you know, we are the favourites
0: for this. I'd be. I'm confident, but I'm not overly confident. I think it's going to be very tight. Um, you don't you don't beat Newcastle three four 0 so I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly think it could go either way. This is a massive game for that that club. Um, yeah, we won a trophy in God knows how long. Since the fifties, ri- r- yeah, really up for it. Um, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to be at our best to win this game. I think. No, yeah, absolutely. We are. And like the only
1: slight kind of worry is, of course, that we've had this difficult, difficult game against Barcelona on Thursday, whereas they've had a whole week off. Uh, Not only that, I had mentioned before that since we both reached this final, we've played six matches and Newcastle have only played three in the same amount of time. So they should be a lot fresher. They've probably had a lot more time to think about us tactically to train for us all week, whereas we've probably had to focus really on Barcelona and now get two strokes kind of Three days to start looking at this Newcastle game. Uh, We will take another quick break there and then, yeah, I want to hear from you who you think should be starting this match basically. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a
0: thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So
1: Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch.
0: slash $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: All right, back for the last part of this show. Uh, You know, we've had some chat about different players coming in and out. Weghorst, I think, is the biggest kind of decision in this game. I mean, I had said a few matches ago that I think he's obviously playing more games than was ever planned because Martial is made of glass and Ten Hag confirmed today that Martial will not be involved on Sunday. I think Weghorst is probably better off coming from the bench and I would not start him in this game. For me, Rashford starts up front. There, are, I want Bruno back at number 10. I think Anthony plays for me now because just he gives a bit of that balance on the right side, even if he hasn't had the most amazing season. And then, yeah, I don't really particularly maybe mind on the left, whether it's Garnacho, whether it's Sancho. Uh, and that's the way I would go. I think the rest of the team kind of picks itself, although there is a kind of... Uh, toss of the coin between Dallow and Juan Bissaka. Um, And for me, it has to, we stick with Casemiro and Fred, but yeah, I don't know where you're at on that.
0: I can see him actually going Rashford, Bruno, Anthony, and Weghorst. I think he likes moving Rashford into the centre, or moving moving him into the centre in the second half to change it up. Although we did obviously start that way against um, Leicester with him up top. But I, I I, think, I don't know why I based on, but I think Ten Hag likes to move him across to change up the game, uh, as opposed to moving him to back left to change the game. I think um, if you bring up, also, I think the effectiveness of bringing on Wow is lessened than the effectiveness of bringing on players for him, if that makes sense. Um, but I can see, so I can actually kind of see him playing at that 10 and just being a bit of a bastard. Um, and that's how he kind of combats the Newcastle midfield of, who will probably be running around like crazy people? I can see that happening. I can see him going Bruno then on the left and Rashford up top and Anthony on the right, or Bruno at ten while up top and Rashford on the left. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Veghor starts this game. Is what I would say. Would I start him? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm not irritating Hag. Maybe I, because like I said, I'm not. Ganacho's better coming off the bench. Sancho better coming off the bench. It seems they're two good players to change the game. So maybe I would actually, maybe I would actually start him. Or you start Sabitzer and go with a three midfield and put Bruno on the wing again. But yeah, maybe I would start him.
1: Yeah, it will be interested seeing. Of course, at the moment, I trust in whatever Elliot Ten Hag wants to do. Oh yeah, I think
0: whatever Ten Hag does, I think no one can, no one can complain or argue with it. It'll maybe uh, the right choice.
1: No, and especially because he has shown time and time again that if things aren't working, he's very ready to change it up and knows exactly the right things to do at the right time. Uh, but as I say, Vegos for me, and again, I think it was good, get mixed up between the games. But I think it was the Leicester game where it almost looked like the players were trying to get him a goal. He had to be fair, several he, he chances. he goal
0: that game. He worked really hard. He, he should have had an assist for Sancho I think twice, actually, he should have had an assist for Sancho. And he should have scored that one one-on-one that he had. But yeah, I mean, obviously he's well liked in the squad. Um, I mean, for him, he he must be loving life. He's come. He's, I don't imagine he thought when he went on London to that he'll be playing in a a cup final for Man United anytime soon. So I mean, yeah, he's just Barcelona, having a Barcelona
1: at Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah, no, no, this is like having a dream an absolute film. great
0: time and fair, fair play to him. I, I, as I said, I don't I don't have any ill will towards him. I I, I, I get why people are a bit annoyed that a player of his quality maybe plays for us but i, I mean he's putting in a hell of a shift so yeah I, yeah he definitely can makes starting. up
1: for his lack of quality with hard work but sometimes that's not enough um no. But, yeah, let's see. Let's see. I do just say, and also, he's played a lot, a lot of matches for us, which was obviously never going to have been the plan. He was supposed to be, you know, the kind of plan B backup option, but because we're absolutely dearth of strikers with uh, Ronaldo leaving and Martial never available, that, yeah, that's the only options we've got. Uh, I mean, where are you at the moment on wan Bissaka versus Dalo? Um,
0: Probably Dalo.
1: Yeah, I think Aaron bring... got the nod in both of these Barca games. Dallo's yeah, coming in, in the kind of Yeah, I
0: think he'll go for Dallo. I think I think he gets I think Wambisaka gets the nod against teams who he's worried about um their fullback really bombing on. And to be fair, he probably might actually worry about that with Trippier. And he might put on with Wambersaka to counter that threat. Um but then Trippier, generally I find his his threats are more from set players than open play. Um but maybe I would I would lean towards Dallo just for the football, the the quality of football that he brings of uh Wan-Bissaka. I actually think for
1: pure rotation and just freshness, I probably would start Dallow just because obviously wan has played in this midweek. Um, does Sabitzer come in this team for you or are we sticking with uh,
0: Freddy Miro? I could see him starting Sabitzer actually. Um fred played the last couple of games maybe due a rest, but i mean is fred ever, does fred ever need to rest that's another question you have to ask yourself does fred ever need a rest so i mean i'm very un non-committal i don't honestly know i think I, if i was picking the team i'd probably start f- f- fred on re- riding the crest of the wave that he had against barca um but then i do like fred coming off the bench there was a long period where we'd constantly bring Fred off the bench for Eriksson, and he would help us either see games out or just get back into games through hard work. So I don't mind Fred off the bench either. One thing actually to mention is that Casimir and Sabica have not yet played together. That is a good point. And it probably wouldn't be the greatest time to start that relationship in a cup final.
1: Yeah, so I think it will have to be uh Casemiro and Fred starting this game and we know they do have an understanding from the Brazil national side uh you know it does make a big difference and yeah of course note that both of our scorers last night were Brazilian so yeah we have that kind of Brazilian connection uh pushing us on over here but yeah there seems to be Brazilians everywhere around nowadays uh every team who did we play the other day there was about seven
0: Brazilians on the uh pitch um well well when we play Newcastle, there's a lot of Brazilians on the pitch for a start. They'll have Joe Linton and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Bruno on there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I I also wonder. I mean, you'd obviously think I, he doesn't tend to start Varane too regularly between. He's obviously giving Varane a lot of rest, but you'd have to think he's going for Varane Martinez. I don't think there'll be a Maguire curveball in there.
1: No, no, no. It's definitely going to be Ram Martinez. And then, obviously, the game after is FA Cup versus West Ham. Uh, That I think maybe will be the time to mix it up and give some other players some minutes. Um, I'm looking very forward, obviously, to be going to Wembley. First time I'm going since that. 2018 disappointing cup final uh i'm also going to be behind the goal down there whereas in the last few times i've been up top somewhere so yeah extra looking forward to being which is actually the first time there's going to be some kind of standing section at wembley um i'm not actually right in it but i think i'm kind of in front of it from what i understand but yeah we'll find out on sunday and yeah look it's a it's a great week for our fans, as I say, Barcelona and then off to Wembley. It doesn't really get much bigger no. or better than that. And uh, you know what? The
0: good, the good thing is, if we do lose, it's not the end of the world. It's not like all our hopes for the season are pinned on winning the Carabao Cup. If we lose, it would be a obviously, but we'll move on and we'll we're still in three other competitions, so got a good got a good chance of winning any of those. So yeah, it's it's a good it's a good good opportunity to get one in the in the trophy cabinet but it's not it's not everything
1: no of course it's not everything but just this you know the symbolism of getting back into willing ways and bringing mm. trophies back for the first time since 2017 is big uh, as I say you know early this season we said top four and a cop run is about the best we can manage so yeah we're already on that kind of thing I mean just before we finish off I do want to give a quick few minutes to talking about our ownership situation uh, since last time we've recorded there has been some official bids put on the table and you know it's also relevant that we're playing Newcastle United who obviously had a takeover from Saudi Arabia last season. Uh, We've had an official bid come from Sheikh Jassim of Qatar. And also, obviously, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who's been linked with us for quite a long time, has put an official bid on the table. Apparently, there is some other kind of bids out there. There's a lot of American hedge funds sniffing around, whether they're bidding, whether they're providing financing is not at all that clear yet. I know there's a lot of debate going on on Red Cafe and Twitter about who is the better option. Uh, I don't know if you have any kind of quick feelers on there. As I said, we will go into this on more detail in a future show when we can do it justice. This. But in the last kind of few minutes, just as I say, I, and I actually think there's been a bit too much focus on this. I'd put that out a couple of times. Everybody talking about ownership, everybody talking about Qatar and this. And I said, listen, this is a big week on the pitch, Barcelona, Cup final, you know. I don't, I don't want to spend a huge time talking about things that we can't actually affect that mm. much. And the other thing for me is we don't know a huge amount of things about these bids yet, even though they have officially come out and said they're bidding. It's not that clear about how much money, where is it coming from, what are they planning? And I think maybe that kind of detail will come out in the coming months. But do you have any kind of initial feelings on what would be your preference? Not
0: really. And going with what you said as well, it's also like, I, in the back of my mind, I also have... I can fully see the Glazers turning around and just saying, oh, actually, we'll sell 40% off to this American hedge fund. That'll be the money for the stadium. And then, hey, we'll keep going. So I'm not buying into anything until this club is actually sold. Um, None of the bids are great, let's be honest. They've all got their various Um, hang-ups. I do wish that we lived in a world where some very shiny, very non-controversial gajillionaire would come and just buy us and then literally the thing is with united we don't need the money of anyone else really we've got all the money ourselves to you know invest in the team invest in the stadium obviously for the stadium we probably need some sort of loan or something but it's yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm just waiting and seeing basically until uh, there's a fuller picture and do we know the Glazers are actually going to sell to one of these people
1: Yeah, and I'm totally with you on that. There's nothing is clear yet. I mean, there was a lot of excitement when the Glazers first kind of announced putting the club uh, for sale, but... uh there is now quite a few stories out there saying that few American hedge funds are offering them kind of options of staying at the club. It's become pretty clear that, yeah, uh, I think there's is there five or six Glazer siblings who all kind of have shares now. Uh, it's become pretty clear that the likes of Joel and Abraham are quite interested in staying involved in the club, whereas I think the other four siblings want out and that's been one of the reasons why they put the club up for sale. But it seems like maybe some financiers are giving them options of staying around. and yeah that for me would be probably the worst option Uh, although at the same time obviously they have kind of hit lucky with Ten Hag all of a sudden after several failed appointments a lot of bad management all of a sudden things seem to be going in the right direction but I don't know if we can give them much credit for that or if they just finally you know got lucky on like manager number seven or whatever Um, you know that's the way it's going I mean I think most of our fans are kind of looking for a change they want rid of the glazers but as you say you look at these bids that are coming on the table and all of them have like a lot of kind of downsides i mean there's the whole thing about qatar and is this state ownership or is it a private individual and what does that all mean uh and then yeah the same with surgeon ratcliffe you know he's currently owns Nice who I don't think have been doing that well question marks over that also question marks over where his actually financing would come from whether he would just be bringing more debt into the club or whether he could clear it all and yeah these questions need to be answered in the kind of coming days and we'll see how it all goes I think that's about it for now we will wrap up this podcast there and we will be back for sure after that cup final I want to say good night from me
0: yeah cheers Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United Underscore Hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com Sports Social Podcast Network.